don't like the sound of bubbles popping? I mean, I don't know. There are better sounds. Anyways, without further ado, welcome back. It's <laughs> oh. okay. Um, okay, so real talk, what did you actually get? I got the case to the California Poppy Yellow case to my new gold iPhone. I got the Max, like yours. Um, and this would have been useful literally 20 seconds ago while we were setting up when I dumped my coffee across my entire desk. <laughs> but they're waterproof. Technology's waterproof, right? Yeah, yeah, we're gold. Yeah. How are you? Anyway. Oh, I'm good. I was going to say, welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And we're so excited to be back on another beautiful Tuesday. Happy yeah. belated Easter. Yeah. Happy Easter to everybody. Hi, Peter, who is saying hello from Grand Junction. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Anyways, today we are bringing on um, an acquaintance that I met kind of through the blue. I basically just emailed her and she said she would do this. So we're so grateful and thankful um, to introduce everyone to Drumroll Kales. Mm, Drumroll. And then we'll introduce our names too. Oh, I forgot to do that. Um, we anyway. do that every episode. It's fine. Welcome, Jessica. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I love that you Jessica. just described like your just like I just emailed her and here she is. Hey, <laughs> okay, that's the way that things that's how things run. That's the way things operate these days. And if people aren't with the program, just reaching out and emailing and connecting with people who are incredible to come on our show like this, then they're doing it wrong. Just start cold calling, I guess. Anyway, I'm Kaylee Legrand. So you are also meeting me for the first time. And that's my way of also introducing myself to the audience since we skip our intro every time. We forget. Now that we go live, I never say that I'm Justin Van Lisa. So there you go. I just said it. And our podcast is We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. A podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. And hello, Pablo from Los Angeles. <laughs> not me. I'm not from Los Angeles. He said hello from Los Angeles. Toronto, you're fine. Yeah. Anyways, why don't you introduce yourself, Jessica? Tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, I'm Jessica Smeachin. I work at the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation for anyone who's not Canadian, and we're Canada's national public broadcaster. Uh, and I'm the director of development in unscripted content there, but I'm also a now uh, working from my home um, mother of two teenage boys and um, based in Toronto. Amazing. So tell us what exactly a director of development does for those of the people joining us who don't know the lingo of the biz. Um, what does that actually job entail and what, what are you responsible for directly? So I am uh, the person that you talk to if you have an idea for a show at CBC that is unscripted. So if it has an actor in it or an actress in it or it's news, or it's a straight up uh, documentary, then it's not me. 
But if it's anything else, uh, a factual show, reality show, um, some documentary series, uh, content for our television schedule and also for our streaming service, which is CBC Gem. Uh, I'm the person that you go to and then I work in, you know, uh, tandem with a bigger team to set our strategy for our content and just try and find the best people to work with who have the best ideas that are going to bring the best entertainment to Canadians. Was that a... Just that. Was that a conscious choice that you wanted to um, not work in scripted work? Oh yeah, I don't understand it at all. I, I feel very like uh, I no, not at all. It was it was a it was a conscious choice to work in unscripted, but it was also a conscious choice to work in development. So the way that our process works is work with me basically from pitch through to the point that maybe your show goes forward gets greenlit, it's going to be a thing. That process could be years. And then I'm like the parent on like behind the bike and I'm pushing the bike and I'm like, you can do it. And then the bike is going and then the kid is pedaling it off. And then I'm like, smell you later. Hope you don't fall down. If you do, um, I'm on to the next, I'm on to the next kid who's learning how to ride a bike. I was going to ask you because you're you're a parent as well, and it, it sounded like you were pulling in parenting techniques. But then then you veered off. I'm not sure you also do that with your kid. Like, do you? Are you like good luck, and you just wave and go back home and make dinner? <laughs> I mean, at some point they need to ride their bike on their own and fall <laughs> up and get themselves back up. My my right. I mean, I do love an analogy really more than anything, so I draw on it wherever wherever I can. But yeah, so 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 yeah, the idea that uh that I just work really at the make believe stage of of projects. And then once they, you know, once there's like a camera person and a and a real, you know, set, then it's then it's over to one of my my colleagues and that's their specialty. But my specialty is the imagination phase. That's the coolest phase. I feel like that's also, I mean, I don't personally have kids. And so I'm sure what's about to come out of my mouth is um, a reason why I should stay uh, childless. But the imaginary stage and being able to play around with that and create the dreams and have all the fun is, you know, that's where I want to be if I ever have kids. And then once it's past that stage, it's like, no, you're not fun anymore. So I, I would just walk away and move on and have kids again and then keep kicking them out. I think that's the best part of it. Like it, I mean, it does age you in a certain way to become a parent, but I think it also keeps you really young because you get to do, you know, you get started to revisit your own childhood a little bit and, it, you know, playing with Play-Doh is fun and like pretending to be an animal just fun so they, you know kids kind of give you permission to be that silly person again I mean mine don't they're teenagers and they would be mortified if I walked around the house pretending to be an animal but <laughs> but there was a time when they requested it yes yeah so is that part of the the creative play do you get to be part of that in the process at the beginning how involved creatively if the creators are bringing projects to you how much of putting your hands in the clay do you actually get to to do at that point oh yeah loads of it it's super fun i mean it's very collaborative the producers creators who bring us 
the idea and uh you know we're oh i'm going to use a lot of analogies i mean we're you know we're raising this baby together and uh it's uh it's just delightful i mean a big part of what i do also is look at shows from other territories around the world and and uh work on Canadian adaptations of them. So just, you know, making that that uh, that decision whether or not something that worked in uh, Norway or Denmark or Australia or the UK or Israel would, would work well for a Canadian audience. And that part is so fun. So I watch a lot of German game shows and sit around with my colleagues in, in the Canadian production industry and just say, okay, if we were doing this for Canada, what would be different? Who would we cast? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it really is my dream job. I'm, I'm very um, thankful to have it, especially this year. You are working at such a notably Canadian institution. I mean, the CBC is, um, it, it's been part of the definition of Canada as far uh, for as long as we've been able to play on that territory with the within the media landscape. Uh, and I have always been so curious to try to understand what Canadian what it means to be Canadian, what that Canadian identity is. And you have your hands in that sort of mix to shape the zeitgeist for our country. Do you feel like you have a solid understanding of what a Canadian identity is or looks like or feels like? Well, you know, I feel like a big part of what I have to do is really listen to the people who are bringing us their ideas because a lot of what we see in terms of pitches is based in real lived experiences across the country and my experience you know is is uh, is my own and and that's very so one very small slice of this country so uh yeah it's a definitely an evolving entity for a lot of people people who have been here for generations people who have been here for six months so i i don't think there is one uh one identity but that's why the job is so interesting because you do get to meet so many different people. And I mean, the other thing is too, everyone has an idea, right? So you could just be a fisherman uh, in New Brunswick. You could be, um, uh, you know, a vet in Winnipeg and you think that your story and your experience would be really interesting to Canadians. And that's my job is just to listen to those people and, and help them get their stories made. That's really it. You know, um, we're, we really are public service in that way. Have you just, ever, Oh, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say just circling back, we had someone in the comments actually ask what German game shows are like. Um, I've never watched long. One. They're long? long. <laughs> How long? Like two to three hours an episode. What? Actually? Yeah. Is that how they actually block out their their television? And if so, what was that traditional? Were they blocking out times for commercials in between? Like, how do you captivate an audience for three hours with a game show? Well, I mean, I think... And, you know, this doesn't necessarily speak to like a Canadian identity, but definitely in terms of like our viewing habits, 
you might think that everyone's viewing habits are the same, but they really aren't. They really are rooted in a lot of um, cultural nuance. So it would seem from the German shows that I've seen, they are very laid back in terms of whatever they're watching from 7 to 10 p.m. It's really more of an experience. You certainly wouldn't like uh, just watch a half hour of something then a half hour of something else. Their, their programming blocks are super long. You get to know all the contestants. You get to know their family. You really take time. Uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. That is super cool. We have someone in the comments who said hello from Copenhagen. Uh, if anybody listening around the world ha is able to, like, do you watch game shows for three hours? If so, why are you following the narratives of the characters of the contestants that you get? We have a, a German, Germans love quizzes. Oh, that's awesome. I, I have a bit of German yeah. in my blood and um, I definitely love quizzes if I already know the answers. If I don't, then I get very hot flushed. But have you ever, as far as Canadian content goes, have, have you ever um, hit those moments where maybe you're not necessarily saying this doesn't fit with Canadian identity, especially if it is coming from a Canadian and it's coming from a real lived experience, but have you ever had to discount a pitch or, or reshape it or, or ask them to, to reshape it and come back to you because it didn't seem like it fit with the zeitgeist or because it didn't feel Canadiana, maybe because it was a three hour game show and that's just never worked here. <laughs> I mean, look, a big part of my job and people like me is rejection. I mean, we reject a lot. It's just a numbers game. If I worked at a cereal company and I took pitches for new cereals, I would probably be in the same situation. I'd have to say no to a lot of cereals. So uh, there's a I love your thousand, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> there's a thousand reasons that uh, that we have to say no to things. I mean, I, I think, whew, yeah, it's a really good question. I, I would have to say, I guess, yes, because I've said no to so many things for so many reasons. Um, but, you know, I think we want to be authentic to what the current Canadian experience is. And that's very different for a lot of different people. So it's challenging, right, to find content that that suits everybody all at once but uh hopefully because we have so many different outlets for content there's something for everybody do you find that because you say no so much professionally that in your private life and with your kids you try to say yes to being an animal running around the house and you try to say yes to all these these moments and to make kind of that shift away from having work being not that it's a downer but like it can't be fun to tell people that sorry your idea isn't going to work try again next year, like. No, it's not fun at all. And in fact, before I worked at CBC, that's where what I did. I was on the other side of the table. So I know what it's like to be rejected over and over. I know how you can have a helpful rejection and a not helpful rejection and yeah. how you can waste people's time and not waste people's time. Uh, I think the way that it's bled into my personal life is that, you know, if one of my kids is telling me, well, I'm going to do a project on X. And then I think I'm going to make a poster that says this. I really have to stop myself from like giving notes and, you know, being critical, being like, hmm, 
I see. What if it was called this instead? And what if you cast this friend? And the, like that at a very early age, my older son was like, look, I'm going to tell you something about my project, but I don't want to hear you say anything back. <laughs> and oh, and you know that. what? Yeah. So I think I was like giving notes in too many parts of my life. And uh, <laughs> I had to simmer down on that. They didn't appreciate that, but they also pitch me at the dinner table. So that's um, that's a fun one. They pitch what you shows? Say no to them. Oh, sure, yeah. They pitch me shows and my uh, my husband is in the business as well. He has a, uh, he's part of a very successful YouTube channel and they pitch him topics at dinner as well. It's like part dinner table, part boardroom. <laughs> do you try to keep, do you like that at the dinner table or do you try to compartmentalize or do you ever try to keep that kind of talk um, away from like family time? Do you feel like it's too much? <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it's super fun. And I think to be able to talk to your parents about what they do, I mean, just to find anything that they want to talk to me about, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go there if if they're you know if they're initiating the conversation, it's like a yes and situation. And my father was a musician, and I am knit, just skipped a generation. I I know nothing about music, and I would have loved to sit down. I mean, he tried. I would have loved to have sat down and like had that moment to appreciate his career in a way that I just really couldn't. I used to work with an executive producer and her favorite thing, she also did a lot of development and her favorite thing to do is she would show sizzles to her like 10 year old daughter. And if her 10 year old daughter started texting during the sizzle, if she like made some kind of comment, like didn't understand something, it was immediately a no, like, sorry, we're gonna pass on this. Like you can't get my daughter's attention. This isn't happening. That's oh, solid. especially like, being home this whole year and uh i call them all the time okay quick quick come and and i just want to show you something i just what do you think would you watch this you know i mean it's unrealistic to think that teenagers are going to like uh you know initiate live broadcast yeah, viewing right. yeah but i have like manage to brainwash them a little bit uh, so that they, you know, they're CBC fans. But uh, no, getting their opinion is um, is amazing. And I think, you know, at, at home and, and more importantly, at work, you know, the more people we have around the table, the more uh, opinions we have, the better. And I think like, you know, there's that expression of um, like decision by committee that's used as an in a negative way, yeah. so you don't want oh like the whole. But I I don't know. Yeah. I just the it, well the opposite is like one person on a mountain saying like yes you not you. Yeah. And uh, I think that's not the right thing to do either. So I love like the more opinions the better. I definitely think uh, that's how we get the best stuff. So how do you filter? How do you filter the value of those opinions though? Because if you have all these different opinions like how do you say this is the way we're going when i'm sure you have an overwhelming people supporting it and an overwhelming amount of people going against it yeah i mean 
it, if I had perfected that, you know, uh, I, <laughs> I would, uh, I would have solved all the issues of, of this industry I'm, I'm in and, and legacy yeah. media, but I, you know, I, I think that lived experience, uh, overrides everything. And if, you know, if it's, uh, if you are seeing yourself portrayed in that content, in that pitch, and you have thoughts about it one way or another, your opinion's worth more than mine if I haven't lived that experience. So it's really, like I said, it's a lot of listening and uh, asking questions when you don't totally understand and just taking the time to hear everybody out. I mean, that's it. That's the only, that's the only way forward. Do you do any, um, I love the fact that you bring materials to your kids, especially because I think that's a beautiful way, not even just the fact that we've been in a pandemic and we're all kind of stuck together, but, and I think a lot of that is happening because we've been closed in and stuck together. I love the fact that you are finding these moments to have those collaborative processes with your kids and to ask for, like, to solicit their opinions with it. Um, and as a tangent, I have been doing a little bit more of incorporating my parents into some of my work, um, sometimes out of necessity. I just had to shoot a self-tape that my parents had to help me out with. And it was a really beautiful experience where I had to scream. Um, and so it was great that I did it outdoors, but their neighbors probably didn't super appreciate it. And my, I tried to explain exactly what was going to happen so that my father wasn't up in arms about it. But my father is like you loves to give notes. I think that's where I get it from too. Lo loving to have somebody like pick things apart. But when it comes to auditions, it's like, no, no, no. I don't even want you to ask me about the audition once I'm done. Cause I need to forget about it and not think about whether or not he, I booked it. But funnily enough, my dad tried to stay out of it. And instead, while my mom and I were outdoors setting up my ring light and screaming over and over, well, she wasn't, but I was, my dad said he was just going to go for a walk to stay out of it. But all we could see was that in the background, he would just pace back and forth on the train tracks and just continually shouting out notes of maybe you should like try it in a higher pitch range or <laughs> it was super strange, but that was my chance <laughs> coming back to you and your kids. Uh, do you find that it is, uh, you know, those voices are valuable for you because it's also coming from younger generations, the future of Canada, and listening to those younger generations is going to help put you um, on a path that is going to create content that connects with them? Or are you finding that because you have those continual conversations with them and because you've made them CBC fans, are they too close to it? Like, do you have that awareness in it when you're taking feedback from them? Oh, look, I think that there are lots of shows that, you know, things that I'll show them and I, I don't expect them to like it. It's not for them and that's okay. But I think it's always just interesting. It's just a great way to check yourself. It's a great way to, uh, you know, expose them to some different ideas and give them like a little bit of media literacy uh, as well. Just, you know, understanding how things are edited, how things are produced, how not everything you see on TV is real. I mean, that's something we talked about from a very young age. How just, you know, well, I saw in a commercial that this, you know, will make my teeth white. 
And so I want to buy this product to have white teeth. And then a big conversation that we can have, like, well, that's a bit of a racket. And so I think that's all like a bit intertwined in terms of what's a great opportunity for me professionally to hear from teenagers, but also a bigger opportunity as a mom to make sure that they are being critical about the world around them because they are, you know, very connected to many different messages that come at them through their phones. And it's super hard to police. I can't control what they see. You're kidding yourself if you think you are at a certain age. But all I can do is equip them with some sense of skepticism and the ability to come to, you know, my husband and I when they see something that they don't understand. Because it's, you know, there's a lot out there. <laughs> there is. There's so much out there. It's just a sea of madness. And I feel like, especially now, as there's everyone has a platform, everyone has this, like you don't necessarily know where the attention's going. Oh. So, yes, not at all. And I think it's really hard to look at Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and then still feel like really okay with yourself as a teenager. I think it's virtually impossible, um, especially now. So uh, yeah, the more we can talk about content in all its different forms and media messaging in all its different forms, it's like, you know, I can kind of slide it in because if I were to say like, let's have a conversation, uh, you know, about negative stereotypes and you're in snap, like I'm not, they're not gonna wanna listen to me. So you gotta sneak it in. That is really fascinating that you are so ingrained in content creation and that I'm sure as part of your work, you also have to keep on top of like keep tabs of what these new platforms are that are coming out and not just as a means to know what your kids are playing on and what TikTok is. I still haven't figured that out, but to know what the movement of content creation is and how it affects you, like you're saying, you know, how a teenager can view themselves because they're continually comparing themselves, say to everyone who's on Instagram and how that those pages are so curated to show for the most part, just all the highlights of life. Cause it's another platform where people can sell, sell, sell. And you know, how, how much of that are you seeing people selling the, the sides that aren't shiny? Like are, are those, are those also things that you seek out yourself when you're looking at content? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think just genuine expression of self and being authentic to who you are and that, you know, I feel like, you know, in terms of what we can do as a public broadcaster is definitely like show, um, you know, warts and all of people because I just think it's exhausting otherwise, you know, to be so polished <laughs> all the time. I think I think people are just super tired with it. I mean, it just even in terms of like, you know, how we have started presenting ourselves to each other this year, you know, without haircuts and, you know, what we call hard pants, like, uh, you know, pants with a zipper. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, we've certainly all relaxed a little bit, I think, in terms of, putting up that 
um, that veil of perfection of being okay all the time. I, I definitely, I, I see that changing a little bit, which I think is a really good thing. Do you do something for yourself as well? Not just being aware of the kind of content that you're putting out as a part of CBC or the kind of content that you want to share with your children, but do you do something to completely step away or um, some sort of, you know, safeguarding for your own mental health? Well, I am not on Instagram on purpose because mm -hmm. I didn't feel like my self-esteem could handle it. Uh, I couldn't stop myself from looking at things like comparative things that I shouldn't. And I just try to like remind myself sometimes that none of it is real <laughs> and just try and connect with my friends way, way more. Um, yeah, I've definitely felt like a disinterest in gloss and filters and perfection. I find it a little exhausting at this point. So I do find myself gravitating to things that are, um, yeah, just more real, which is generally real people that I know versus their Instagram account. Guys, we're going to be right back after this short break. Hey, Griffin Steve. here. And we want to tell you about our show. It's called Killed to Death, and every week we solve a made-up murder. It's all improv, with a ton of great comedy guests, like Sean Cullen, Mark Little, Sarah Hennessy, Becky Johnson, Chris Locke, a polite no from one of the members of legendary Canadian comedy group Kids in the Hall. Sometimes you can hear the guys who live above us talking through the ceiling. Nicole Passmore, and many more. Check it out on the Sonar Network, where you can find this show, or search Killed to Death wherever you get your podcasts. Killed to Death. It's usually less than an hour. And we're back. I mean, love that disinterested in gloss. Sorry, Justin. I just love that, that, that terminology, especially because I have, ever since I started wearing masks, I now put lipstick on underneath usually for myself. Like no one's going to see it. So I don't even, it ruins the masks and I have to wash them so much more regularly. But the fact that you said you're disinterested in gloss is um a, an attractive notion and it does make me want to like get off all social media at times i don't think i can completely disconnect because i still really enjoy like this platform and this podcast and and the other platforms that i'm on absolutely serve to you know connect us with people like you who are coming on here but um i do understand the idea of or maybe i'm a little too obsessed with the idea of reality and how i'm aware that none of that is real but you said that you started to connect a lot more with your friends. Have you, has there been a shift over the past year? You know, do you talk more on the phone? Are you using FaceTime more? What's that shift been like for you? So I'm always the girl who like will remember your birthday and I will remind other people that it's your birthday and I will organize the flower delivery for your birthday. And uh, that's me and has always been me. I'm the cruise director amongst my friends and that's, great. But I have noticed this year that I don't have to be the cruise director as much anymore. I feel my friends definitely um, like, I don't want to say stepping up, that doesn't sound very gracious. Uh, they're wonderful <laughs> friends. But, uh, you know, in terms of appreciating each other and appreciating things like sharing something on a WhatsApp group. So, 
you know, within like a week of the pandemic being declared last week, I had immediately a new uh, a new WhatsApp group with uh, there's seven of us who have been friends since the eighth grade, or some of them have been friends since kindergarten. And then another right away with a group of uh, also seven women who were in my mummy's group when when my first son was born, which was 18 years ago. And those groups and the sharing of good news and bad news and because we can't see each other, uh, it's been a real lifeline, you know, just the idea that you are not alone and that you are supported is like you can't you know you 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 can't put a price on that that's that's the best thing there is so yeah i definitely think there's more contact with people because we're desperate for it <laughs> that's amazing though it's not it's not a bad thing to actually find that connection in different ways and i also have given up on social media for a while now and the one thing that I've noticed that it has done to my life is I get to hear stories that like normally I would just like see a photo on Instagram and be like, okay, like that's it. But now it's more where you get into this phase of like, if I call Kaylee and I'm like, what did you do this weekend? She'll go, oh, right. Like you didn't see that. You don't have Instagram. Like here are all the things that I did. This is what was super exciting. And you actually tend to build I find closer relationships with people, which is which is something that I've really appreciated since leaving platforms as well. But it sounds like you have that in common. Yeah, and I think also because we've been spending, I mean, I've really upped my uh, consumption of books and shows and podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so and so to be able to, you know, one of my close friends lives in Brussels or outside Brussels, and to be able to connect with something that we both uh, watched or listened to or read it's, I mean, honestly, not something we really would have done before. So that yeah. part of it feels really great. I joined my first book club like a month before this all went down. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just nice. It's just nice to have, uh, I mean, they're mostly, yeah, they are all women. So, you know, it's nice to have like a support group of women at a certain point in your life where you're all supporting each other through a myriad of stuff that happens. Wait for it in your mid forties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already there. <laughs> I know you have a hard out coming up, but before we get to our final games, I just wanted to ask you what your favorite project that you took from conception to green light was. If you could tell us a little bit about that, I know you may not be able to if it hasn't happened yet, but if there's like one thing you're super proud of or one thing that you've done that like is absolutely amazing that you want to share. We want to hear it. <sighs> Asking me to pick my favorite child. I will, <laughs> I'll just tell you what, well, I'll tell you when, cause it's, it's just an interesting insight into how things work. There's a show that premiered in Holland, like 15, 16, 17, 15, 16 years ago, long time ago. Yep. called Hello Goodbye, right? Premise is super simple. Hi, who are you waiting for at the airport? Who are the flowers for? Tell me the story. They're going to show in. You're going to hug. That's the end of that. And also, um, who, who are you saying goodbye to? Okay, you, yep. you, you're saying goodbye. Smooch, gone. Was it short it's form content? All... No, it was a half hour episode. Okay. And I was going to say in Germany it was three hours, but that's not true. I don't yep. know how long. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's half an hour and it's just a host going and talking to people and asking the questions you've always wanted to ask at the airport, right? You see somebody with like balloons and you're like, who are you waiting for? Um, and then when you see people crying and saying goodbye, you want to know, like, where are you going? What's your story? Yeah. So it debuted in Holland. Uh, I'm going to say maybe like 2005. And right away. Uh, so I, I wasn't working at CBC. I was working in the independent community. And one of my colleagues uh, noticed it and uh, carried this incredibly long process of trying to bring Hello Goodbye to Canada. And ultimately, it took about 10 years of different companies tried it. They cast different hosts. It was a super hard thing to do. And you get permission from the airport. Blah, 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 blah. So it really was about 10 years from the first time that I heard about the show to when it got on the air when I was at CBC and part of the team who brought it to air. And I think that show was just like a real labor of love because because um, it's so simple on the surface. You're just asking people a couple questions about themselves, but people really it was a beautiful way to get into the Canadian identity, the Canadian experience, the human experience, love and loss and connection. And um, it was very special. So I think I would pick Hello Goodbye. Is that a show that you did recently, like within the past couple of years? It's been off the air. Well, it's still, I think, in repeats, but it's been off the air, I'm going to say, for two seasons. I can't quite remember. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it's still on YouTube. I, it, it sounds familiar to a show that another friend worked on. I don't know if there were multiple shows shooting at Pearson Airport at the time, but I had a friend who worked on a similar show. And now I'm wondering if you know Amanda Van Hell. <laughs> I don't. Okay. I don't. But, 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 that, but that's one of those shows, like once they were off to the races and shooting, um, I took a back seat. So she may have been on the uh, crew and I, we never met. Okay. Well, it's also a question that like, I used to be a flight attendant. So especially in Pearson airport or any, any airport really, but like, especially in Pearson, you'd continually have somebody like, Oh, my cousin is a flight attendant. Do you know so-and-so? And of course I don't because the base alone at Toronto had over like 15,000 flight attendants. So it was my karma now asking somebody else if they knew something <laughs> like that. I get and that all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was special. It was special to be able, you know, a lot of the people that we interviewed, you know, talking about their stories never had any other platform to do that. So it felt really cool to be able to to be part of bringing those stories uh, to TV. It was, that was a, it was a good one. In famous, you should do it. I feel like COVID times get your get your next season going because that would be even more fascinating where the hell are you going that is worth potentially getting ill <laughs> that'd be a completely different show <laughs> right yeah there you go anyways i know you have a hard timeline so let's get on with our two truths and a lie which is a game we like to play with every guest just to see what comes out of the blue and anyone who's watching live get ready to feel free to jump in and give your guesses but Jessica, you said that you had your two truths and a lie ready for us. We are ready for them. I do have them. I will read them out. Um, okay. Um, first, 
when I was a kid, I was obsessed with John Ritter, the actor from Three's Company, and I got to meet him when I was in my twenties. Uh, Is that all? You. That was all. That's one. one. Okay. You got to meet him in Love your twenties. Obsessed with him. Loved John Ritter. Was super obsessed and got to meet him. Okay. Number two. When I was a kid, I was super obsessed with Greece after seeing the movie Shirley Valentine. And so I moved there for a period of time in my 30s. Okay. Number two. And uh, number three is when I was a kid, I was obsessed with having a platinum pixie cut. And so I cut and bleached my hair when I was in my 40s. So basically, did I meet John Ritter in my 20s or did I move to Greece in my 30s or did I bleach this hair and cut it off in my Oh, I want all of these to be true, but especially the platinum pixie cut. And I want to see the picture of that if it's true. I okay. Well, we'll give we'll give our if anybody wants to write in the comments between those, which one we think is the lie: meeting John Ritter in her twenties, moving to Greece in her thirties, or getting the platinum pixie cut. Um. Oh, I. I think I, think I have my pick. Justin, do you have your pick? Go with your pick. I'm going to say that you did not move to Greece in your 30s because it doesn't fit with the timeline. Or I'm assuming because you've done you've been with CBC for a little while and I don't know. I just don't know how that fits together yet. But that's going to be my guess is that you did, did not move to Greece in your 30s. See, I was going to say she did move to Greece in her 30s because she has such a close eye on European content. Oh, which well... I just really don't want it to be the platinum pixie cut because I really want to see I that. Think pixie, I think the pixie cut is the lie because I feel like if you're going to dye your hair, it's not, if you're going to do a dramatic appearance change, it's not going to be in your 40s. I think that would have happened sooner. So I think maybe you did do a pixie cut, but maybe it was sooner. That's my guess. Do you want me okay. to tell you? What? Yeah. Yeah, do. yeah give the reveal now. So although I really did love the movie Shirley, Shirley Valentine, I have never No! No! What did I win? I guess that's my job to figure out what I win because it's our game. <laughs> <laughs> Dang yeah. it. You met John Ritter. Wait, so you did oh do a picture in your 40s and you dyed your hair? A year ago, like March of last year, I had a blonde pixie cut and I had it for, I did it three years ago and so i yeah so i had it three or four years ago yeah it, it's it, i would still have it if it wasn't you know what prompted it pandemic yeah because i always wanted to, to just just because, because you're I, like screw it i'm gonna do it i wasn't gonna you know buy a sports car or have an affair and so it felt like a bucket list thing that was really, really achievable uh and my hairdresser knew i always wanted to do it it was a journey it's not like on TV. You cannot do it in one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, my hair actually, it already was short, but, but it, anyway, yeah, I had it. Love it. Super, was it a good decision? It was a good decision to be able to say I did it and I really loved it. And now I don't have it anymore and that's okay. Would you, you do it again though? Would you try to do it yourself? Oh, whoa. That's oh my God. No. <laughs> I if think that's like, Advice corner? No, don't do it. 
No, you need a professional. I not only had my hairdresser over multiple days and weeks, basically figuring this out, I had a hair coach, which was a friend of mine from work who had done it. She has similar hair to mine. She had done it previously. I didn't even know her that well. Amazing woman named Lise. And when I had been asking her questions beforehand, and then she gave me her cell phone number and she said, you're going to need me. You have a moment in the process. You are feeling unsure. And so you can text me. And sure enough, she really was. If you're going to platinum bleach your hair, you need a hair coach. And it's a support person. And need your hairdresser. Don't do it alone. That's that, my advice. That is like when you buy a Jeep and you just all of a sudden are part of that group and people like everyone who has a Jeep loves each other. I'm realizing now that that's kind of what you had immediately when you moved into the pixie cut realm, the pixie cut girls, pixie cut people, pixie cut every, whoever has pixie cuts. <laughs> um, pixies? The pixies. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember the, the, the term that was used back in the, like when, when pixie cuts became a thing, was it pixie girls that that character ended up being called? I don't know. I don't know. But yes, it is, it is sisterhood and brotherhood. Cause yeah, it was. I mean, it fun definitely... fact, I've also done it, but. <gasps> Did you have a coach? I didn't have a coach and I didn't, I didn't actually go blonde. I went ash white. Ooh. I went, I I would have liked to. I went, I went tan France, um, like queer eye style white. That's what I committed to. Well, I want to see pictures of that too now. I loved it except for having to take cold showers all the time. Oh, do you have to when you have your hair dyed that color? I was told that I was supposed to not like if I could avoid having my hair being warm, that I should. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's off my Nobody bucket list. Me that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, apparently you had a better coach than I did. It's like diets. You had the better diet. Yeah. And that's okay, part that you also had a coach. Like I had an audition for a character that seemed like they would just cut their own hair. So I literally, and this is why it's up so that you can't tell, but I literally put it in a pony and just took scissors and chopped it. And I mean, I haven't heard back about that audition yet. Maybe that's why. <laughs> I'll get a coat from here on out. <laughs> that's Anyways, we're just about at time. So Jessica, before you head out, do you want to share your one cool thing, which is something that Kaylee makes us always do and I really suck at, um, but you're going to do great because mine are always literally trash. I literally look around the room frantically being like, what is cool in this room that I can plug? <laughs> Well, I mean, my my one cool thing is everybody's thing. So it's, oh, hold on. Have I been kicked out of your broadcast here? No, you're here. No, we can oh, still hear you. It says you've not been invited to this broadcast. Oh, how many links do you have here? Over? We can hear you. Oh, I'm getting lots. No, I'm getting lots of like, anyway, if you can still see and hear me, it's fine. Yeah, we can hear and see you. Okay. All right. I'm getting. I'm going to ignore everything that's popping up on my screen. Um, well, my one cool thing is everybody's cool thing, which is that is yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Like it's not original at all. No, it's um, great. But it, I, it's, a, it's something I was doing before the pandemic. And, um, you know, she always says, you know, let go of the day 
thus far. And I always laugh because it's like seven in the morning, but you know, that has actually meant something this year. Cause if you wake up feeling shitty and anxious and worried, letting go of that is actually really powerful, even if you've only been up for three minutes. So, um, so that is Adrian. Uh, that's my thing. It's amazing. I love it. Justin, do you have yours? Oh, no, you always go first. I always go last because mine are always the worst. I also need the most time to think of it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm doing, I'm pulling a Justin and literally reaching for the closest thing, but it is also a really cool thing. Um, my one cool thing is not only a sanitization process of what I just sprayed all over the package of um, my iPhone case, not the actual case, but like when the package arrived, I have this bottle that it's not actually from Lush. This is just reused because my cousin as um, a gift for my birthday. Was it my birthday? I don't remember. Has it been a year? Anyway, uh, she repurposed the bottle by making a sanitization fluid for me. And it smells so good. essential oils. It's got like this cardamom scent. It has orange in it. I think like cinnamon, but it's, I just, my, first of all, my hands are so dry and I'm so annoyed with so many of the sanitization bottles that I've been purchasing that, uh, I, I've been trying to find things that smell good. So it's also like an enjoyable process for me. And she made one for me and I love it. So that's my one. I'm going to see if I can get the actual ingredients so that I can put that in the show notes for people if they want to make their own spray too. And my one cool thing is emailing strangers on the internet and inviting them onto podcasts or inviting to chat with you because that's what happened with Jessica and I. And it has been an absolute pleasure. I know you have to run to a meeting at four. So this is me saying goodbye in the most timely wrap up we have ever had on the history of this podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's been a pleasure. We'll have to have you back again Bye. once you have your quickly cut. Oh, you're... You're now cutting out. Okay, well, I think that I think that she did hear us say goodbye, so we got that in. <laughs> Anyways, for those of you who are listening to this podcast after the fact, we record it live on Haps News, and you should check that out because you can join us live there or on YouTube. If you want to send us audio notes, you can send them at anchor.fm slash WTNOK. And Kaylee, you can find her on social media. Where can they find you? Places. And you cannot find me. <laughs> okay, you love y'all. Okay, bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, you can support it by subscribing to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave us a rating or review, which sincerely helps us and we absolutely love. Come hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and send us your questions, recommendations, and cool things at we're totally not okay at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to We're Totally Not Okay, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>